0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, after getting dog-walked, by the Philadelphia Flyers on Friday, the Sabres end up turning it around in the second half of their back-to-back, picking up a huge victory, a 6-4 to win against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. The Sabres ended up only dressing 11 forwards and 7 defensemen for this one, as Ryan Johnson ended up making his NHL debut with Matias Samuelson and Dylan Cousins, both missing the Toronto game with injuries. But all in all, Taylor, the Sabres now have won three of their last four, picking up a huge divisional game against the Maple. Beliefs on Saturday. How are you feeling after this very eventful weekend? Hours away from Bills Bengals kicking off.
1: Conflicted to say the uh, least. Give it to me. Uh, I know we're talking about the last four games. If you want to talk about that sample in particular, it's a resounding 4 nothing win over the Colorado Avalanche, a pretty convincing 6 4 win over the Leafs, and then a kind of weird not all that great game against the flyers that they won. And then a game where they just got their ass kicked by the flyers. So that's, it's really strange. Some real Dr. Granado, Mr. Kruger action going on here. I think it's, it's really weird. I think everyone would feel better if they lost to Colorado and beaten the flyers. I just also think given how they started, I think we'd all feel significantly better if they just beat the flyers twice, which they really should have done uh, in it would obviously it's nice to win four games in a row you can't win every game but being 7 and 5 right now would be a very it's a, it'd be a record that i think people would be excited by given their start it'd be just a good place to be at this point in the season 12 points in 10 games instead you 6 and 6 it just sounds at this point one game makes such a big difference in how you feel about everything in terms of the points so yeah i can't say i'm thrilled that they came out and laid an egg on a friday night a friday night black and red goat head night in front of everybody yep of a good good crowd crowd. that's
0: very disappointing but very much so saturday (laughs) they turned it around yeah i mean like you said they got worked on friday night and watching the game i still felt a decent amount of optimism towards it even though they were getting outworked outplayed in every facet of the game it still felt as though, okay, maybe we have a repeat of Wednesday where yes, you get outplayed, but you are playing against a un, a very uninspiring goalie and Samuel Erickson, Leif Erickson, as we like to call him on the podcast. Well, maybe but we can't do that anymore. Sadly not. But the thing is, though, is that they, they were getting outplayed in that game, but my God, he was looking so shaky. And it could have been a similar scenario two on Wednesday where like we said in our last episode they ended up scoring three goals on eight shots down the stretch in the game and unfortunately it was not enough for them on on Friday they just completely got outplayed and it's funny because I agree with you that I guess to a degree we would have felt better about them losing to Colorado but picking up the back to back against Philly but even taking that step further I just feel like I would feel better if they just looked better on Friday I mean they just looked so bad like they got hosed by a team that is not as good as them like the sabers unequivocally are a better team than philadelphia and on top of that when you're compounding it with the fact that you're facing off against their backup goalie both of those games should have been wins and they should have been wins that you were not getting outworked in, because that obviously could be said however all that being said picking up this win on saturday is huge Alex Tuck ends up scoring two goals in this game, which was great. J.J. Paterka, Tage, Jeff Skinner, and Jordan Greenway scored the other goals in this one. And Ryan Johnson, as we mentioned, made his NHL debut. And while he played less than 10 minutes of ice time, he made his presence known with a beautiful assist on Jeff Skinner's goal where, my God, first of all, that slap shot by Jeff Skinner, absolute howitzer in this play, he ends up escaping pressure, makes a beautiful stretch pass to Jeff Skinner, who ultimately, again, ends up bearing it with an unbelievable slap shot goal. So that was really great to see from Johnson. Obviously, Granado wanting to give him some sheltered minutes there and really easing him into things in his first NHL action. But again, that is what you're hoping for out of a guy like Ryan Johnson, who has the skating ability. He has some good passing ability, and you just want to see more of that from him. So that was a great play, great start to his career. And again, it was a good effort there. It was great. Also getting Devin Levi back in this one as well. Levi picking up the win against Toronto here with some pretty huge saves, including a huge one on Austin Matthews. So Taylor, we're now at this point here where we have Devin Levi is back healthy. UPL, not so good game against Philly there, but he obviously was coming off of a couple of back-to-back wins there. So let me ask you this before we get into some of the other bigger picture stuff. How are you feeling about the goaltending situation right now after this weekend?
1: Not terrible, not great. It's such a small sample size that so much could swing in in just a game or two. And I think we ta- I talked about goaltending being fine so far this year. Not that I was thrilled or making any big proclamations on Friday's episode, but I was like, you know hasn't been a problem yet and i don't think it this weekend was so bad that you have to start saying that it's a problem now but it also is kind of a reminder like hey don't feel like you're on solid ground at any point um looking at it now they have a team save percentage of 897 so that's not great it's also not as bad as that would have sounded eight years ago but it's yeah it's upl uh kind of set a reminder like hey guys don't forget i do this too (laughs) uh And Levi, again, overall, I know he was hurt and coming back from having not played in a little while. He hasn't blown the doors off anyone, which you shouldn't have expected him to at this age and this experience level either. So I would say goaltending-wise, I don't don't feel that bad. But I don't feel great about it either, which is probably the position I figured we might be in at this point in the year.
0: Absolutely. I feel like, like you said, taking into account things like small sample size and all that obviously is paramount here. But I think... I absolutely positively do not feel comfortable or confident about the goaltending right now. What I will say is that I think this kind of leans into one of the points that you were making. It hasn't gotten to a point where, like last year, we were losing games straight up because of the goaltending performance. Like there were a handful of games down the stretch last year where it was like, we lost that game because UPL was God awful, or we lost that game because Eric Comrie forgot how to play goalie there or because Craig Anderson's bones were turning to dust or something like that. Like, thankfully though, this year so far again, early on and everything like that, but you haven't really gotten that. Like in the games that they've really lost for the most part, it's been because they've, Played like shit. It hasn't been because it's been like, you know, they put up five goals and then it's like, oh, but like Levi or UPL couldn't make like the big saves down the stretch. It's usually they just play bad or they're getting outplayed by a team. But let's turn our attention to Ryan Johnson now, Taylor. So as we had mentioned before there, making his NHL debut, getting a very, very nice assist and playing less than 10 minutes of ice time though. So not a whole lot of experience there, but still a good experience for him nonetheless for being able to lace him up with the Sabres. How do you feel about Johnson potentially even getting a little bit of an extended look here, even though we should say that the prognosis for both both Cousins and Samuelson's injuries are pretty good and it's not looking like they're going to be long-term.
1: So I'm excited about it. He was playing college hockey eight months ago. So it's, it's cool that he's been able to make the leap this quick. Uh, I do expect him to go down. I, I, you never know on this day-to-day type stuff, uh, how long it's actually going to last, but you know, you don't want Samuelson to be out that long. So hopefully he's back. And that unfortunately necessarily means that Ryan Johnson will be headed back down. That's not a terrible thing, but it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you, it's good to see that he can hold his own in the NHL but you're all. it's also fine that he's going to play the season in the AHL, but as the season goes on, if there's a lot more of like, hmm, you know, Connor Clifton, I don't know how he's looking, or wow, what's Jacob Bryson doing here? <laughs> like, a lot of moments like that where you're kind of like, if I don't know about all this, people are going to want Johnson here. It's just, just kind of a matter that they have nine defensemen, if you include him, that are NHL caliber, but... You know, on, on the other hand, there's a billion forwards, too, and there's guys that, you know, people are going crazy about Kulik right now in Rochester. He hasn't gotten the chance, but meanwhile, Rusick and, and Byro are here. I understand they're more further along development-wise, but, yeah, I, I I'd like to see, you know, a few of these guys pop in and out, but they're not really part of the roster, and I don't know how much that you can change that during the course of the season. Unless, you know, maybe Kevin Adams, you know, just changes his whole philosophy and wants to trade three defensemen. I wouldn't hate it.
0: <laughs> Maybe not the worst thing, but you bring up a great point there with Kulik. Boy, oh boy, another impressive outing for the Amherst this weekend. He's now up to nine goals, Taylor, which is tied for first in the American Hockey League. A very, very impressive start here. And again, it makes you wonder, how much more time does this guy really need? Like, I get it, like you said, as far as the quote-unquote development curve for guys like Byro and Rusek, but how about the fact that Kulik is just a better hockey player. There's more talent there. There's more ability for you to get some production out of this guy, you know, like sure. There's going to probably be some sort of a a transitional period for him kind of getting his feet wet and getting used to the speed of the game at the NHL level. But it's undeniable that this guy has the potential to be a quality NHL player. And his potential is far exceeds obviously Byro and Rusek, and that could even be the case off the bat here. I mean, the guy is 19 years old and he's tied for first in the AHL and scoring and goal scoring right now. I think he's fourth in the AHL for points. I mean, this is a a guy that feels like he's ready here. And I think what's interesting is that Matt Savoy is also right there knocking on the door too. And I almost wonder if you're going to get the opportunity to see the two of them in the lineup together potentially.
1: Yeah, well, at this point with Cousins, we don't really know how long Cousins is going to be out. They're saying it's not going to be a long time, but we'll see. But if you have this, it's stretching into a week or so or more. I know they actually kind of are in a stretch right now. where They're only playing one game in five or six days. But if it stretches into uh past that, then, yeah, why not? Why not see Savoy and Kulik up? I mean, you're going to see Rusick up. Why not with these other guys? I think a lot of people would be very interested in seeing that, particularly if they don't have a good game against Carolina Tuesday.
0: Very good point. Very good point. It should be interesting to see. I mean, that even leads you to wonder with guys like, I mean, obviously Victor Olofsson goes without saying, but like at this point, I would rather see Kulik in the lineup than I would rather see Peyton Krebs. Like, and obviously you <laughs> can't do that with Krebs right now, but that's just kind yeah. of eight of things at this point where like, if the point of this season is winning games and making the playoffs, then you need to do whatever you need to do. That's going to give you the best chance to do that. And I think it's fair to question. If Krebs continues to trend in this direction, is it better for the team to have Kulik and Savoy up
1: as compared to rolling Krebs out there every night? At a certain point, people are really going to wonder about that, aren't they? If you're going to ever get any offensive punch out of that fourth line. problem is, if you're putting someone else, like one of those guys, on that fourth line, if that's what you're doing, you might get a similar result Mm. with a worse defensive result. Mm. I don't know. I think it's such a tough thing, but they did this with Reveille 12 years ago. Wow, it's been a minute, where he was the captain, but they were like, he was kind of sitting. I don't know how that went exactly. I don't want Oposo to sit for the rest of the year, but I think Oposo should be a candidate for that intermittent press box nights. I know that sucks. He's so important, the chemistry and all that. But you're yeah. I wanted to bring him back, so I'm not going to say I didn't. But I think you're always playing with fire a little bit. Yep. When you you bring back guys at that age who are already not the fastest guys and they're, they're defense first guys, you know, you're always running the risk of bringing back guys in their mid thirties that they might not be good at some point. So I think, especially if he's a good leader and a reasonable guy that it seems like he is, it shouldn't be that crazy. Especially if you get in a couple more months into the season that you do see some press box nights from him, but I don't know. I think a lot of people just don't want to broach that at all. And I understand why.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's not an easy decision to make, but Well, and I think also you could say too that there's guys that are maybe a little bit in the conversation of being as deserving as needing a night off than he does as he does, I should say. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I mean, something is going to have to give though, when it comes to, to Kulik, obviously I think Savoy is going to get his shot here before they end (laughs) up making uh, any kind of decision about whether he's going to, you know, go back to juniors or not. Um, He'll get his opportunity, but, you have this luxury, obviously, of being able to go, you know, have Kulik either in Rochester or um, in Buffalo with him being waiver exempt. But again, I mean, the guy is just playing so well that if you're talking about guys needing to earn their spot and, and earning playing time and earning opportunities and rewarding guys who do that, you're going to start having to have that conversation about Yuri Kulik like now I can't even say sooner rather than later. You got to start having that conversation right now. Cause how much more does this guy have to do to earn his shot?
1: Yeah. Like you, like you said, nine goals in 10 games at the AHL levels, a 19 year old, it's pretty crazy. And I wanted to point out since this, this has been somewhat slanted negative towards the Sabres, uh, I guess the positive things about the Amherst this year. So mentioned Kulik there, obviously at 13 points in 10 games, just how many guys they have, who are at or near a point per game right now. It's crazy. Rosen has 12 points in 10 games. Davies has nine points in nine games as a defenseman, as does Cal Clagg. Mason Jopes has eight points in nine games. Byro was six and five games. Michael Mersh is six and six games. Kiss- Alexander Kisikov, five and five games. Savoy is five and six games. And then you have a couple of other guys like Linus Weisbach has four and four games. So there's like a, a decent amount of guys here that are just Basically point per game players in Rochester. That's it's pretty wild. It's not like the AHL is a wild west or something like that. Like that's that's an awesome uh start to the season for them. And nobody has started as strong as Kulik, and that's building on last year. It's like a lot of what you heard from last season. So yeah, maybe people do want to see him up soon, and maybe they want to see Savoy up as well to see what he can do. True. Shout out
0: to your boy Mason Jobs Bluth.
1: Yeah. Always been a big fan of him. And I definitely remember if we drafted him or signed him.
0: I believe it was a signing. I don't believe he was. a draft. Yeah,
1: I don't remember him being a draft pick. That makes sense.
0: Taylor, should we hear a word from our sponsors?
1: We should. It's wow, folks, you're not going to believe this. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong pending tonight's result. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. bet 5 bucks on any game this season to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of sweetener offers every game day this October. So, for example, you want to bet the NFL. And you're listening to this on Monday, I assume. And if you are, big Monday Night Football game coming up. The Chargers, the Jets, one team. Has to lose this game. That's my favorite part of this game. But also, very funny, uh, the Chargers could be three and five after this. (laughs) Or that the Jets could still be 500 even if they lose. We love it, folks. A lot of fun stuff going on. Right now, the line of this game, the Chargers are favored by three and a half. Oof. You might be playing with fire if you pick that. But that's a choice that's all on you. I'm not telling you which way to go on that. And if you want to bet on that game, you got to bet at DraftKings Sportsbook. Get on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas... Licensee partner, Gold Nugget, Lake Charles, in Louisiana. 21 and over by age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbookdraftkingscom football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it right now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? Especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because the early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon's products before, such as the fantastic everyday earbuds that Brendan and I wear while recording this episode. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products, like I mentioned, their everyday earbuds. Known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features, like a 32-hour battery life, and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Powertech. Their five-star-reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. And their faucet filter ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your, hand, your your face and brush your teeth with is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder that their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get in on the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off their site, everything on their site, with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. So hurry now to buyraycon.com to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Back to the episode, folks.
0: We are so, so back, Taylor. We are so, so back. And we got a pretty big week coming up for the Sabres this week. Shall we take a look at the road ahead, Taylor? Yes. Well, as you mentioned before, it all starts this week on Tuesday. (laughs) as the Sabres take on the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina before returning back to Buffalo Friday for another back-to-back. This time, they are going to be playing at home against the Minnesota Wild on Friday night, followed by a 7.30 start on Saturday in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. So we got three games coming up this week, Taylor, against three pretty solid teams overall here. Obviously, we have Carolina, who is a real threat in the Eastern Conference, one of the powerhouses of the conference, one of the best teams in the Metro in contention up there with New Jersey, of course, followed by a matchup with your boys, the Minnesota wild, big, big Minnesota guy over here, Taylor. And then finally, of course, you have Pittsburgh, another conference matchup with a team that you potentially could be fighting for a wild card spot with come April. So Taylor, my question to you is three games this week. How many points do the Sabres need to pick up?
1: I think four would be the minimum four points in three games to stay above 500. I mean, three would keep them at 500, but given the slate, they should be better than the wild and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I know is still, a, it's, it's not an untalented team or anything like that, but they're last in the East right now, or they're tied for Ottawa with last for last in the East. So that's a team that you ostensibly going into the season or competing for a playoff spot with that still may or may not be true. We'll see, but that's, that's a game you should win And the wild. All, haven't been all that good this year. The wild are near the bottom of the West right now. So that's another game that you should probably pick up two points in. And if you want to look at the most obvious potential loss there, it's Carolina, but let me tell you something, Brendan, Carolina's team safe percentage is in the toilet this year. Oof! And I actually never said it was a good idea for the savers to sign one of the one or both of those goalies.
0: Never so. do not go back and listen to the past episodes because it would be a waste of time to do that. But I'm with you though, Taylor, I think four points is the minimum here you got to think that teams like Minnesota and Pittsburgh are not going to be at like near the bottom of their respective divisions for the entirety of the season. It's only a matter of time before they start to figure things out. However, that being said, I think that speaks to how important it is to pick up these wins now at a time when these teams are kind of floundering a little bit here. So again, if you're able to pick up a win against Carolina, I think that sets you up so well going into the weekend because as they just demonstrated this past weekend, just because they're going to be on the second half of a back-to-back doesn't mean that it's some kind of surefire loss or doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to still compete and put up a good fight and score some goals here. So I think if they are able to get past Carolina, even though they have been uh, using very technical hockey terms here, so fucking dumb this season of a team. (laughs) I still think that that sets you up really well to go into the weekend. And hopefully you're kind of getting in a groove a little bit more here. And you're able to pick up the full six points from the following week, because after that, You got Boston coming to town and that is going to be a real test here. But as we've been saying, though, with each passing game, they become more and more important. And while you can't necessarily say that a win or a loss at this stage of the game or at this stage of the season is ultimately what's going to decide what you end up, you know, where you end up in the playoff conversation, I think. It does speak to the importance, though, of the fact that as much as you can win early on in the year and start banking up some points, that is going to be extremely helpful for your chances because, by and large, the teams that are in those playoff spots around the turn of the new year are – Usually the ones that end up sneaking in, I feel like statistically for the most part here. So again, just keep putting yourself in a good position here to pick up points, make up ground on these teams. I mean, Christ. Yeah, it's still early. We've only had 12 games played so far, but you're only three points back a second place right now.
1: Yeah, you're right there. I mean, they're 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 being saved by the fact that the whole NHL, aside from four, four good teams and like two bad ones, is just a really mediocre league right now.
0: Agreed. There is a, a, a gigantic mushy middle. Can we talk? Yeah, about I mean, team really quick. That's not a middling team.
1: Ooh, yeah. I actually think I want to talk about two of them.
0: I want to talk about San Jose first.
1: Let's do it, folks. <laughs> two straight ten goal games for their opponents.
0: San Jose has not won a game yet this year, folks. They are rocking an 010 and one record this year. They have one point through eleven games, folks. Are and, we ready for another? And let me tell you a- what, this, though. That's underselling it. (laughs) Can I give you another uh, stat here to throw out at you? Oh, yeah. The second worst team in the NHL when it comes to goal differential is the Edmonton Oilers. They are at minus 14. Take a guess at what San Jose is right now. I'm looking at it. Minus 43. Yeah. Minus 43. Almost a 30-goal difference between the last and second-last teams in the NHL and goal differential right now. There's only four teams in the NHL, I think. Yeah, only four teams, four other teams, aside from San Jose, who have a double-digit negative goal differential. Like, oh, my God. Come on.
1: This is madness. (laughs) Here's a fun one. Give it to me. They have 12 goals in 11 games. Oh, my God. The next closest team. Is Chicago, who has twice as many goals with 24 in one fewer games played.
0: Okay, that I, I, I'm i trying to wrap my head around the fact that they are this bad.
1: So they have their goal setting rate so far this year has been Mackenzie Blackwood, Kapil Kakinen, and oh boy, let me see who this other guy is that started a game Magnus Krona. Oh, that is actually goodness. uh, back in the old days, that was an extension you could put on those. <laughs> Magnus hey,
0: one Thing too, not that it makes much of a difference, but Washington is actually second uh second last. They have 21 goals for.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just looking at the West, but yeah, that's still they also are having a tough, tough start to the season. But still, yeah, nine nine goals behind Washington, who I believe has played one fewer game than them as well. Um, yes,
0: 10. yeah.
1: And on top of that, they have an eight seventy three save percentage. Oh boy. As a team. No one none of the goal is there at eight eighty. And (laughs) look at that! Their goal scorers. Um. Oh boy, Fabian Zetterlund has three goals.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Anthony Duclair has two. Philip Zadina has two. Hurdle has one. Uh, someone named McDonald has one. Who leads them in points? Reckland has one. And Bordelot has one. Okay, so that's all their goals. Bordelot, yeah. Hurdle has seven points, which feels like a minor miracle, considering they only have 12 goals. Tyler Ennis'
0: 2013, or uh, 2014 vibes right there.
1: Yeah, he's actually on pace for more points than Ennis. He's Ennis really... He's...
0: Like 40 or something like that. He scored 20 goals, though, which was... Yeah. Was, he was like 20 and 23, I think.
1: If Hurdle stays on that pace, he'd actually have a decent amount of points. He should probably score more goals, in my opinion, but I don't want to ask for too much. But yeah, wow. What a team this is. This is this is worse than the tank Sabres.
0: Inexplicably that statement is is very correct. You know, it's and it's crazy. Like, damn, they just did this like a year too late.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember I wanted the Sabres to finish last going into that season. And I really going in, I had no doubt they would. And I was really more focused on prospects, blah, blah, blah. And their October that year was so bad, you remember. They had multiple games where they only had 10 shots or something like that. And I remember at one point, near the end of October, I was like, Oh god, not like this. Not this bad, and then I was immediately regretted that because they went on that annoying run in November and December, Right. and then Arizona, blah, blah, blah. The rest is history. It all worked out great, but yeah, God, Did San it? Jose, let's keep an eye on them. They might be the worst non-expansion team in the history of sports in North America.
0: A bold statement, but a fair one nonetheless with how pitiful this start has been for them. Who's the other team you wanted to talk about, Taylor? Is it uh, a a good team or another team that's wildly underperforming right now? I don't
1: want to talk about any of those good teams. Screw them. I want to talk about...
0: We're talking about the Oilers, aren't we?
1: Yeah, the second worst team in the NHL. The second worst team in the Pacific Division. The Edmonton Oilers. Wow. This has been a weird start, huh? You think? Yeah, so obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with last year's pace, more than well over 300 goals, one of the best power plays ever. And Stuart Skinner came in near the end of the year, well, kind of halfway through the year. He basically became their starter and was really solid. And they were the best, one of the best teams in the NHL in the second half of the year, made to the second round of the playoffs, had a good series with Vegas. They are not uh, scoring. They're not scoring. They're not winning either. They're 2 7 and 1 for those wondering. Please. So they have five points in 10 games
0: there are only five teams who have scored less goals than the <laughs> Oilers have this season. And when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on your team, that is unacceptable.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. If I was an Oilers fan, the thing you might've been worried about coming into the season is like, man, what if Stuart Skinner isn't good? What if, and what if Jack Campbell still Jack Campbell? Well, that went about as bad as it could have gone so far. They've basically split starts. Stuart Skinner is an eight sixty one save percentage. Jack Campbell's an 873, which wouldn't even have been good in the eighties. So, so you'd be like, Oh my God, that's a disaster. They must, they're probably hovering around 500. Well, no, because Dreissel said the best season of anyone on the, uh, forward-wise so far, he has 13 points in 10 games. That's good, but that's not nearly on the pace. He would normally be on He has four goals. That's not uh, his type of pace. <laughs> Evan Bouchard, Zach Hyman, both have 10, which ties in with Connor McDavid. McDavid missed two games but still two goals and 10 points and eight games for Connor McDavid. That's not really McDavid like.
0: No, it is. It is bad as what it is. I think it's only fair. We, I guess we can cut them some slack. We'll trade them Zach Benson for Connor McDavid. One for one. Your thoughts.
1: I, so yeah, obviously I would take that in a heartbeat, <laughs> but my serious answer to this is, is are those words trading Connor McDavid? Is that going to be a serious discussion? Because I think they're getting to the point, because we talked about the Sabres, whatever, being like one point out, even with their frustration. The whole league is really just super bunched up, like I said, except for like six teams. So the Oilers aren't in that bunch. Granted, the Pacific Division is pretty bad, but they're right now 11 points behind Los Angeles.
0: Oh, my God. With
1: one game at hand for the third place. And Vancouver, yeah, they're unsustainably hot, but these are banked games. They count it. So Vancouver's is eight two and one. That all counts. It, maybe they won't make the playoffs, but they're headed a good way towards making it. Vegas, it seems, is going to run away with the division. LA is good. Now, I guess you could look at this and say, "Yeah, well, maybe Edmonton could catch Vancouver. Maybe they're twelve points back of Vancouver right now. That's not that easy. They're two seven and one. This is not a. If they want to be a one hundred point team this year, they're going to have to be." They're going to have to get 95 points in 72 games. They're going to have to be really good from here on out. And even if the offense picks up the way it should, what if the goaltending really, not if it's this bad, what if they finish the season with 885 goaltending or something like that? Even if the offense does pick up, they're going to be really, really hard pressed to make the playoffs. I guess they're really aided by the fact that the West really sucks. That
0: they that it does, Taylor. that it does. and it it's crazy to even think about the premise of McDavid getting traded, but I do wonder if they don't make the playoffs this year. Is that a conversation that's really going to happen? Like, and also, I mean, my God, what what a trade compensation would look like in that instance because I. I I mean, I, you know, I, I think you can look back at like the Gretzky trade as one of being like something of like a similar magnitude, but the return on that was a joke compared to what it probably should have been. But in addition, what this trade would eventually be if we're talking about Connor McDavid here for context too. After this season, McDavid has two years left on his deal before he becomes a UFA, and Drysaddle has only one year left before he becomes a UFA. He is up after the 24-25 season. Yikes. Yikes. I'd be sweating a little bit if I was an Oilers fan.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what what a start. That's unbelievable. Like The whole NHL is is bunched up the way it is you you do have some really good teams which has been an interesting thing you have Boston New York uh Dallas Colorado and Vegas all look awesome and then some other interesting teams but like man the whole league being so bunched up through 10 11 games and you have one of the teams that's setting itself apart is the Edmonton Oilers by being bad Yup. and man i don't know it's it's interesting though I don't know. Is there anything else around the league? You think is interesting.
0: I'm really sad. Do we have a, a prognosis on Jack Hughes yet? Do we know like what the outlook oh.
1: is like there? No, I should look that up though. to See if we do. Yeah. I let's totally forgot about
0: I that. mean, we could definitely talk about on the inverse of that. I know we don't want to that much, but Boston, I don't think they're going to keep it up and be at the same kind of pace as they were last year. I think we are going to see some regression at some point, but man, oh man, does it help to have two starting goalies on your team?
1: Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. There's like nine good goalies in the whole league and they have two of them. Yep. Uh, so two things here. Uh, Jack Hughes is week to week, which you don't want to hear because that Oof. means it's definitely serious. Upper body. So nothing too uh, concrete on that yet. That's tough. Yeah. I'm also receiving word of something that people will know about by the time they hear this. But I, I want to look it up anyway to make sure that I'm being uh, given accurate information. What do we got? It's an NFL story, folks. Tommy DeVito is back.
0: Tommy, Tommy DeVito? DeVito
1: is back for the New York Giants. He has completed a pass. Oh. And folks, he immediately threw an interception after that. So Oof. two passes: one his first complete pass, second one's an interception. Daniel Jones is hurt. Oh boy, we yeah, don't love that, folks.
0: What's the score of that game right now?
1: Fourteen nothing Raiders. Aiden O'Connell. Is he for real? That's what people are saying. Is people are calling him the side. uh the White Aaron Brooks. Wow, the White
0: Brooks. Here we go. What's the correlation? You have to tune in next week to find out. All right, fair enough. Do you have anything else from around the league That's you've been finding rather interesting at all, Taylor?
1: From the NHL? Yeah. Uh, not really. Mostly what we were talking about. Uh, I it's I I think it's kind of interesting how good Pedersen's been. Yeah, he's been excellent. He's already passed because Hughes had that crazy start. Pedersen's already tied with Hughes in points. Yeah.
0: Oh, Vancouver's so, been off to a really strong start. See, I was just a year late on being bullish on the Canucks.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people were actually.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: And, and I, being bullish on Thatcher Demko.
0: Ha- yeah, true.
1: Do you have anything else you'd like to say that's interesting, Taylor? I think everything I say is interesting, but uh, no, nothing else. That's fair. Well, everybody,
0: we are going to be recording our Thursday episode ahead of time on Tuesday because of the fact that I have to go to Puerto Rico for work this week. Oh, darn. What a shame. Really sad. (laughs) But with that being said, though. We will be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows, and of course, make sure you're following both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabers. In addition to that, folks, make sure before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of the pod, make Make sure you are subscribed and or following straight up Sabres as we would very, very much appreciate it. And hey, maybe even leave us a nice little rating or review. And last but not least, folks, we have our sponsors. Oh, we, we love our sponsors, folks, don't we? That, of course, being DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And Raycon, all your audio needs. Raycon is where is that? Go to raycon.com/slash THPN to take advantage of great deals there too ahead of the holiday season. Once again, everybody, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been straight up Savers.